to welcome along to episode five of Life Off The Stage with me, Richard Bobosan. My guest today gave lots of personal information, which I really, really appreciated, and gave us some insights all about teaching, DJing, and running a business. Here is episode five of Life Off The Stage. My guest today is a teacher, DJ, competition dancer, former franchisee, and loves anything but being on two feet. I will explain more as we go on. He's central to the main room at Dance Weekend as having that pumping feel and making sure that you have an amazing dance time. Today on Life Off The Stage is a super cool Jonathan Gammon. There you go. How's that for an intro? Yeah, that's good. I like that. Anything but being on two feet. Not, not sure what that means, but well, I'm sure we'll find out. As I say at the beginning of every single one of these, I have to do research on who I am interviewing. Okay, so I've yeah. been researching, and I have seen that you have got you have done some roller skating in your past. <laughs> yeah, yes, now, I, am <laughs> I am horrific on a roller skate or ice skates or anything like that. Okay, so um, so yeah, and also coming back from the mountains, being on skis as well. Uh yes, yep, yep, skiing first Are time. First time just before COVID, so. Was it? Yeah. Did you, did you ski or snowboard? Skied. Okay. Yes. Didn't fancy snowboarding then? I've snowboard. I've done snowboarding before, but okay. my partner is a skier. Ah, so, see. I, and she I, is a cra crazy skier, so. Crazy in what way? She has been 75 mile an hour down a mountain before. Wow. Okay. So she's, she's, she's like a pro skier, so, yeah. You didn't fancy going down 100 yards and then sitting on your ass doing what all snowboarders do? <laughs> no, not, not particularly. <laughs> but. Fair enough. Well, first question that no doubt everybody's got is, it looks like you're in a sauna. So do yeah. explain where you are. Yeah, I, uh, I'm in a camper van, um, which is a van that me and my partner have built, which is what we do for a living. Um, and we've built this one... It's taken us so far two weeks um, to get it to the point of nearly being done. Um, there's just probably about two or three more days left to go. But yeah, it's it's cosy. It's it's nicer than being sat in an office. Yeah, as you see, I'm in my kitchen, and uh, <laughs> I'm I'm trying desperately over my shoulder. Hang on, which way around is it? It's this way, isn't it? There we go. You can just yep. see in the mirror, or just see just just down to the left there. I have bought Zoe some flowers. Ah uh, yes. <laughs> That's I did notice those earlier, but did you? I yeah. don't want to say anything. <laughs> no, I, and, and I haven't even done anything wrong. It was no? just buying flowers. <laughs> so uh, yeah. So this is all about life off the stage. We'll get onto your Ciroc side of things very shortly. So just tell us where you grew up and all of that. Okay. Um, so I grew up in Southampton, um, which uh, was an interesting place to live by the beach. And obviously, like most of Bournemouth and, and Portsmouth, of course, Richard, you'll know a, a bit about that kind of area in the Southampton Portsmouth rivalry. <laughs> so, for those that don't know, I'm from Portsmouth originally, and I almost cancelled the interview when <laughs> I found out that Jonathan was from Southampton, but I'm literally going through the pain barrier here to do this. <laughs> You're doing great. <laughs> And you, you said about beaches in Southampton. I don't think there are any beaches in Southampton. There, there is a beach, but it's about two metres by one metre. Um, so no, there's uh, just um, the other side of the river, there's a Calshot beach. Oh, yeah. Which I spent a lot of time going down there um, as a kid. And 
teens, late teens, and yeah. Yeah. No, Southampton's not too bad. I still remember going to stay in a hotel in Southampton and uh, and it's listed all of the things to do in Southampton and they were all in Portsmouth or Gosport. It literally didn't list <laughs> anything to do in Southampton at all. I understand yep. it's a bit of a better place now. I did leave kind of 25 years ago. Yeah, well, I left 10 years ago and I d it's not got much better, but <laughs> I don't think, I'm not really sure. I've been back, I think about, I don't know, eight or nine times. So in, in those 10 years, it's just, yeah. So where are you based now then? Um, well, I, currently I live in Derby. Um, so I moved to Leeds um, and Yorkshire and spent eight years in Yorkshire. And um, I've moved down a bit further south to Derby, uh, which is where we are at the moment. Okay. So what made you move up to Yorkshire then? Or Yorkshire. That's my terrible uh, accent, by the way, coming out. University. I uh, I went up to Leeds University to study civil engineering. Okay. So, um, which uh, was it was interesting. I didn't really enjoy it, if I'm honest. Um, so. Why is yeah. that then? It. Um, so I, when I was in Southampton, I was working um, for a firm in Alton. Or near just outside of Alton mm -hmm. and um, it was I was a project manager and a site manager working in construction and I used to do um, a lot of kind of uh, repairs on steel structures repairs on storage equipment in uh, and the main contractor that I was uh, the main customer I was working for was Travis Perkins and used to basically go into their sites and say what was unsafe and how to fix it um, so alongside that, I was studying a BTEC in civil engineering, which I really enjoyed um, because it was alongside doing, actually doing a job and working. When I went to university, it was very different. It was, it was more training you to be a desk boy, which is not what I am. I, I could not sit behind a desk. I've done it and, and it's not fun. So, yeah. No. No, I can't imagine but, doing that myself, if I'm honest with you. No, it's, it's, I, I did it. And then when I left university, I went and I got a job as a bathroom designer. Um, and again, I was sat behind a desk, but I was drawing, I was doing um, 3D visuals and virtual reality stuff, which was really, really cool, really interesting. So it kind of kept me a little bit more enthusiastic about the job, about just sat down all day but eventually it got to the point where I, was like, I can't do that anymore and so I've moved on <laughs> so I moved on from Yorkshire, Yorkshire yes and now you're in Derby and now you're running a very interesting business tell us all about it um so the the business it's it, we kind of just fell into it I guess um we started with um doing up a house renovating a house uh, to sell so we had a house in Leeds, um, me and my partner Imogen, and um, we were basically, we bought it as, as just a mess. It was like all the 80s decor, um, it was awful. And um, we spent three or four months doing it up. And we did things like adding an extra bathroom in one of the bedrooms and ensuite we tanked the basement and put a kitchen in there we did everything we did it all ourselves um my partner's a qualified electrician 
um, and obviously with my engineering background, we've, we've really worked well. So we did everything ourselves other than gas work. Um, so we did that and then the housing market just got ridiculous just before COVID, just before all the kind of um, problems with that. It, it just went mad and people were paying stupid money for houses that really weren't worth it. Um, and so we couldn't then reinvest in a house. So we were kind of umming what to do next. And we decided that we were gonna build a van, a camper van for ourselves to just kind of use and, and travel around in. So we bought a um, Ford Transit Custom. It's a, a khaki green or like a, a forest green color. Um, and we did it up and we turned it into a camper van. Um, and then the result of that was, why don't we do another one but sell it and so we did and we we're doing this on um imogen's parents driveway so not ideal which isn't great and uh yeah so every time it rained you had to pack everything away because it was just not great um but the van that we produced was really really good and so we then looked into uh, getting ourselves a workshop and turning it into a proper business um, which it took us about six months to find a, a building for us to use as a workshop and and then to turn it into that business and, and that. And so that we started in our unit in July, end of July last year, right in the middle of COVID, right in the middle of lockdowns and, and people not being able to do anything, which actually is the perfect time for this type of business because it's gone absolutely crazy. So that's how it all kind of started. And then we've evolved. We're now on our 10th van um, in just under a year. Um, and we are booked up until January now. Wow. So we're busy, really busy. And for the benefit of the tape, this is being recorded at the end of June. So yes. that's seven months worth of, uh, of yep. bookings. Seven months worth of work booked up already. And yeah, so it's a bit crazy. That's a nice security to have, though, isn't it? Because I know um, one of my first jobs that I had leaving college was um, it was just me and my father-in-law. And sometimes you'd look and people would come up and say, you know, we need this done. You're like, we can't fit it in for three weeks. And they'd go somewhere else. And then mm. other times you look and you go, what are we going to do today? And it's that real fine balance when it's a very small business to make yes. sure that you actually get the balance right. Yeah, I think luckily because um, because every decent camper converter is booked up they're booked up for at least six months right so like you, you can get it done on the cheap and you can get it done probably like next week if you really if you found someone that is willing to do it on the cheap yeah but the the ones that do it by the book the ones that are professionally converting and doing everything to regs and standards they're booked up and so we're getting a lot of people that um are saying you know, i can't find any you know there's no one that can do it can you squeeze it in and it's like no it's so busy um the other side of that is that um the i mentioned like other converters doing it cheaper and stuff people are coming to us because they want our quality of work they've mm. seen what we do they like what we do it's a very niche thing to hand make everything a lot of companies will use uh, CNC machines and pre-built, pre-factory built 
um, units that they just bolt in. But everything in our vans is completely handmade by myself and Imogen. Um, from all the woodwork, all the painting, uh, we professionally spray all the cupboard doors. Um, we all the upholstery is done by my partner Imogen. She she's uh, spent the last three days with the sewing machine out making all the seat cushions and curtains and things. So it's a very very much a bespoke service and people are willing to pay for it and wait for it so can we have a quick look around the van you're in yeah All of right. course I know, it's, I know for the audio podcast this won't work quite so well but uh, <laughs> yeah of yeah. course i mean so let's start with uh the kitchen wow so all these doors are pushed to open decent sized cupboards all the drawers again are all pushed to open. Um, we've got a two burner hob. We've got a nice big, as you can see that sink. Oh yeah. Um, there's a heater under the bench seat. The two bench seats turn into a bigger than king size bed. Um, so yeah. That's cool. It might look like a sauna, but it's <laughs> It's a nice sauna to be in though. Yeah, yeah, it's warm. That's the main thing, it's, yeah. it's very warm. It's a bit of a miserable day today up here um, and it's raining and it's cold, but um, yeah, it's nice and warm in there. So. Pleasantly and warm in there. So yeah. I've got, I'm looking at your image that you have right now. And one of the things I love about doing this podcast is that people always have an image of what somebody's like. So okay. there you are in your hoodie and your, you still got long hair, is that right? Yeah, but yeah, you still got long hair. I did find a, a very interesting photo of you, I'll be honest with you, that wasn't quite your best look, but I've decided not to go for that one. But I'm going to do a <laughs> quick sharing of screen. Okay. Okay. And I want to know, what were you thinking? He says, going to the right one. Uh, uh, let's just, sorry, bear with me a second. Just need to go somewhere else quickly. Here we go. So what were you thinking of in this photo here? <laughs> are you actually trying to audition for the vampire series <laughs> so that was actually done at a professional photo shoot in york um so it wasn't that long ago um it's very cute coming up as as uh one that i don't know people kind of see like a, a mean dark side to me yeah. um and I, I'm not a mean person, I guess. I'm not. I'm not horrible. Um, it's yeah. It was just done as like a, a bit of fun a photo shoot. So yeah, it's this is one of those interesting times that you you kind of ask to do a pose, ask to do something, and you're like, I'm not sure how this is going to look, but go for it. Okay. It looks cool. So, if I'm honest, That's, you know, yeah. when I, I introduced you as super cool Jonathan Gamble. You know? <laughs> I mean, that is a cool photo. Yes, yeah, it is a good photo. Um, but yeah. It's, it's one of the things I don't think it represents me that much, but no. it's, it's a good photo. It's a bit posy, a bit, you know. I reckon the next photo will, will say that uh, this is much more you. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Now, yeah, that was... again, for the benefit of the tape and for those that can't see, we're now looking at a picture of, of Jonathan with, um, I'll be honest, about 26 laptops in front of him, sat at a DJ console. This looks like the Northern Champs that uh, yeah. lovely Graham Ferry's taking a photo of. So explain to me just very quickly, why have you got so many laptops? <laughs> so um, so I've only two of those are mine. Um, 
and so when I when we do the Northern Champs, it's a massive event. Um, but we are asked to supply all of the kit. Um, so we don't have like the the privilege of having in-house systems, um, and we don't have all the kind of hidden hidden electrics and hidden kit that you see like at, at London Champs all the lighting and sound is all hidden yeah. um, in, in a, a lighting booth and uh, or a sound booth and you don't see any of that um, because it's all tucked away now that is a really basic lighting and sound setup it, it looks super complicated but actually it's, it's not that complicated at all um, and I would say that's probably about a third of the kind of kit that goes into a bigger event. Right. Um, so when when we do the Northern Champs, uh, a friend of mine, uh, Jonathan Hunter, he he supplies all the lighting kit um, and and parts of the sound kit. I bring along a load of sound kit and and a few lights and and we put it all together. So it's it's a mixture of kind of all the kits, all, all the uh, lighting, sound, um, just put together on the DJ table because there's nowhere else for it to go. You can't no. just tuck it away. It has to be there. Um, so yeah, it looks it looks super complicated, but it's it's not that bad. And so. I think the most important question um, that is in this photograph is what is the name of the teddy? <laughs> Thomas. Thomas. I knew the teddy would have a name. Yeah, it, yeah, it does. Tom, Thomas, yeah, he, um, he even has a Facebook page. <laughs> so, yes, um, that's Jonathan Hunter's uh, mascot. So he goes everywhere with him. Does he? It, it did yeah. seem. I was like, why is there a teddy on the on the photo? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's uh, Thomas Bear. Oh, so. very nice indeed. We'll come back to DJ fairly shortly. Um, okay. Now, just changing tact ever so slightly, one of the questions I often ask people is tell us something about you that people won't necessarily know. Okay. Um, so, okay, so here's a good one. Um, when, obviously I've done, for Ciroc, I've done a lot of the weekender setups, the lighting, sound, and all the technical stuff um, for weekenders, for other big Ciroc events. Um, and, I've got a background that goes back to when I was 14 in lighting and sound. I used to work for the Gantry Youth Theatre in Southampton as a lighting uh, technician. Um, I've worked on, uh, on the stages, rigging and de-rigging at the end of shows. Um, but the one thing that kind of gets people every time is I'm actually a qualified pyrotechnician. Okay. So I can... I can set off stage explosives. I've got a, a certificate to say I can set off stage explosives. I can build um, stage props and I can make things like um, sugar glass bottles. So like proper glass bottles and how to make all those and um, did a, a course on how to, to professionally build these things and make these stage props and things like that. So that's something that people don't, don't necessarily know. So have you literally made a, one of those sugar glass bottles and smashed it over somebody's head? Yep. And, and yeah, it's I'm, great I'm fun. Take, did you have the scenario that you had to practice making them and then practice <laughs> smashing it over somebody's head? And if it didn't <laughs> quite work, you'd then just knock them out or? Um, I, it does It does still hurt. Like when you hit someone over the head, it does hurt still. 
but um yeah when you make kind of about 10 of them even if you're only using one or two you make 10 choose the best two and then you've left up with eight kind of semi-rubbish looking bottles so i mean you're gonna smash them over your your co-workers heads aren't you of course. <laughs> so it's just one of those things you, you get to do so um yeah and, and obviously some of those those remaining eight might not be quite up to the same standard no. so yeah no, I, I say it, it will always hurt, won't it? I suppose. But, uh, yeah, it's 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 not as fun as you think. <laughs> what's the coolest thing you've ever made then in that regards? Uh, so I made a uh, for a stage show. I made a rocket launcher, which had two explosives on it, um, two fire, uh, sorry, two smoke. Um, flare things and basically it was it was for a um, production of guys and dolls and i uh, was sat uh kind of underneath the actor that was setting this rocket launcher off and um it was basically a, a tube to make it look like a, a rocket launcher two explosives at each end and then on the stage we had um, several other um, explosives at the front, obviously away from everyone that mm. any any danger. Um, and uh, so it was designed to look like a rocket launcher had gone off and then an explosion on the stage. Cool. Which was great. I was going to say, can you explain that the best um, stage effect I've ever seen was at Bristol Theatre. We watched the pantomime there mm. and they had the, it was a Cinderella, I think, and they had the horses and the carriage and the horses actually came out above us in the theatre. We were quite low down in the stalls. Mm. And I still, to this day, don't quite know how they did that because um, it looked 100% real and it looked like they were coming out at us. And I, I still don't know how that would ever work. I'm not sure, to be honest. It's, it, it, was, it was bizarre and I'm still wanting to know how they did that. Um, um, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. No, I, I don't know whether it was a 3D effect or if, if it was it actually, the, been. Or if that actually it was the things that were coming out on cables or because uh, so much that goes on in theatre, isn't there, that people don't see and you think it looks so easy to do. Um, yeah, and it's so it's complex. Not, it is. Absolutely. Yeah. It's um, as they say, smoke and mirrors. Yeah, absolutely. it really is. It really is. It's, there's some really, really good tricks that you can learn doing that kind of stuff. But yeah. yeah. So yes. out of all the out of all your personality stuff then or anything about you, what are you most proud of? So for me, you know, people often say to me that I'm a very patient person and I have a lot of patience and I'm really helpful and all of that type of stuff. So that's one of the things I'm proudest of. What about yourself? Personality traits? Um, I'm quite resilient to just keep going. Um, something that I know Imogen says this a lot to me is that despite everything that's going on all the stress of work of life of you know if something goes wrong i'm i'm never angry i'm never fed up i'm never at the point of just giving up i'm always trying to look for a, a way to get past it or um a way to to make the best out of a bad situation and not and not stress out about when things go wrong you know it's it's not about the thing that's gone wrong. It's about how you deal with it. And and uh, throughout my working life, I've learned how to actually cope with things. That you know, when stuff does start going wrong, it's it's not not practical to get stressed out and worked up about the thing that's gone wrong. 
so I guess it's it's that it's to be able to just keep going and and not stress too much if something does happen yeah and it is really difficult isn't it so you know I, I I study quite a lot of psychology I'm actually going to do a psychology a level this this autumn um, oh, well. just because I want to um, yeah I, I listen to a lot of books about it. I listen to a lot of audio books and um, and yeah we, there's a, a theory called the chimp paradox um, by Dr. Steve Peavesley trains a lot of um, sports people in this scenario and and yeah when something goes wrong then you can go into what's called the chimp mode where you start to fight flight or freeze mode um, mm. and it's getting out of that and uh, and yeah it's really good philosophy to have if if you can manage that situation as well as you possibly can yes it's uh yeah it it's quite thing. fascinating isn't it all that that kind of how your body reacts and how your mind reacts to certain scenarios and certain situations i'm quite fascinated by what the human mind can do it's it's amazing so yeah i mean it's it's there's a lot of chemical reactions that take place as well so yeah. for instance if you go into this mode it's very simplified there is obviously much more yeah, complex yeah. and than just simply having those three basic principles in there. Um, but you get a flush of adrenaline that goes through your bloodstream and it mm. takes approximately 15 to 20 minutes for that adrenaline to effectively seep out. So no matter how good you are, no matter what happens, you hear like in football, for instance, you hear about the red mist coming over a player and, you know, and it's literally you've just got to leave them alone almost for 15, 20 minutes. You can't speak sensibly to that person for that amount of time. And in a football match, when you've only got 90 minutes, that can be something catastrophic. You know, you can lose mm. a whole game in that sort of time. But likewise, if you're in a meeting, for instance, you're in a meeting with trying to sell another van. And if you entered into that mode, you know, those 15 minutes could cost you the sale. Um, yeah. So it's learning yeah. how to deal with all of that. Is, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's very difficult. Um, it is, now, no, no, gone. Um, I was going to say we did speak before about um, about a condition that you have, and I'll be honest, a lot of people probably won't know about it. Um, I no. I didn't know about it, if I'm honest with you. Um, no. But I think people would be really really interested to hear about it and uh, and how you cope. You know, certainly with the stresses and stuff. So tell us okay. a bit more about that. Um, so the condition I've got Crohn's disease, um, which is a uh, it's an inflammatory bowel disease. It's an autoimmune disease um, where your body attacks itself um, and causes ulcerations throughout your digestive system. Um, I've had it since I was about 14. Um, so I've had it a, a long time. Um, and the uh, I mentioned before, you know, in the kind of learning to deal with things and, and my personality trait, um, it's it sometimes is quite a challenge especially when you're having an off day or a day where you're feeling really really ill and you just don't want to do anything you just have to get through it and I suppose that has taught me how to how to deal with things the most um but yeah it's 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 an awful it's, it's horrible it's really not not a nice disease to have um and I've I've suffered with it for for years and um I've always been on medication uh, several medications um, from tablets. I think at my worst, I was on about 20 tablets a day wow. um, to try and manage the pain, manage the, the inflammation. And then, um, and then from there, I moved on to having a, an infusion of like um, a, like basically a, it's a drug that drops your immune system. So your body's not trying to fight it off. Um, and it kind of regulates your your whole body to, to calm it all down. 
um, which is which was great uh, for whilst it was working. Um, but there were several times when that medication would stop and then I'd have to try something new. Um, and uh, I was in, in under the care of Southampton General Hospital for a long time. Uh, then I moved up to Leeds. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been an ongoing thing. And then um, the, the time I suppose that was the most challenging was um, after Southport in September, a couple of years ago, I got an infection in my jaw and I was still on the medication. And if you get an infection, you're hospitalized straight away. Um, it's, it's really serious. And so I had this infection and um, I ended up having um, a, an abscess here and I had to cut open my throat and, and drain my neck, drain the lump out of my neck. It was horrific um, and uh, nearly died uh, because I left it too long. Because wow. I was like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'll be okay. And then next thing I know, it's like, I really need to go to hospital. And if I don't, that's it. Game over. Um, so then that happened. Then a year later, um, I had a, uh, a routine uh, test for my Crohn's to see how I was getting on with the new medication. And I ended up getting a, a perforation in my colon, um, which again is life-threatening i think it's some crazy statistic about most people that get perforations um end up having severe um organ damage or dying um, again it's that was a bit of a wake-up call for me um and so it's i then got put onto a um like a waiting list for an operation so i'm i'm currently waiting uh, and I have been waiting for nearly two years for an operation to remove my colon um, and my, all my guts inside so that they don't cause me any more problems. Um, obviously, there's a lot of downsides to that operation, but um, slowly uh, mentally coming to terms with that, but still a bit unsure about it. But I know it's it's got to be done. That's the, the main thing is that if I don't have that done, then it's probably game over. So, yeah. thank you for sharing that because obviously that's quite a personal um, part of your life. And uh, anybody yeah. listening, you know, they, they see us up on stage and we have our stage personalities of, yay, this is us. And yeah. you always see us in a good mood and never a crossword about anything. And that's, that's who we are up on stage. And yet behind the scenes, yeah. obviously, you're having to deal with all of that. Um, yes. You know, and that's that's incredibly difficult. And you know, you say about having a bad day. One of the you know the hardest skills as a teacher is, you know, no matter what your day is, you've got to get up on stage and pretend that the world is okay. Yeah, this is the thing with with Ciroc and with any kind of dance teaching. You you just you have to go into this personality. You have to go into this kind of um, this whole state of mind where everything is amazing. And, and it can be very, very different to the actual reality of what's going on at home. Um, I know I've had days where I've not wanted to be teaching, I've not wanted to be dancing, and but I've still had to teach a lesson. I've still had to be at a Ciroc night happy and so that no one would ever know. Hmm. So I called it my Ciroc face and um, it was always kind of, as soon as you walk through the door, that's it, changed. And um, yeah, no matter what was going on, it was always I could be this this completely different person 
Um, and I suppose that's in a way Soroka's helped me because it, it, if I was having a bad day, if I was feeling ill, I'd go to Soroka, I'd teach the class. And then by the end of it, I was out of that bad mood. I was out of that feeling of, of being unwell or, or uh, this downward spiral, completely snapped out of it. And that was thanks to Soroka and the lessons and things. Um, obviously, there were some days where I just went straight back into like a bad day. But um, yeah, majority of the time, Soroka has, has really, really helped um me mentally physically it's yeah it's been amazing and i think what a lot of people will connect with on that is that as much as you as a teacher you are responsible for going up on stage and then giving everybody that good time you know no doubt you know millions of people have gone along to srog nights in a bad mood and come out of it in a good mood and and they'll think you know it's all the dancing and stuff but as a teacher yourself you are the catalyst for making all that happen um, yep. If you turn up on stage and go, do you know what, guys, I'm having a pretty rubbish day. The hundred people that are in your class are all going to have a fairly rubbish night. And, you know, that's a responsibility that you've got yourself. But, you know, so every person that's come along to one of your nights, even if you've been in a bad place and gone mm. away feeling great about themselves, you know, that they should thank you for that. Definitely. Um, yeah, so that's pretty tough. Yeah, it's, it is hard. And um, like you say, that, you know, there's there's some teachers that that struggle with that um with with doing that and making that kind of turning that bad day around and there, there's others that that are absolute naturals at it and and don't even need to try and i suppose the thing about Ciroc is because it's such a fun atmosphere it's such a an enjoyable environment the majority of people would struggle to leave there in a bad mood yeah absolutely so while we're on to Ciroc, then tell us about your teaching history where you started Ciroc, how you found out about it <laughs> Okay, so um, I've been so I've been dancing for twenty years, something stupid like that. Don't look old enough. Oh uh, yeah, I started when I was quite young. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, I started in Southampton, obviously, um, and there was no Ciroc in Southampton. No, it was Mojive, wasn't it? It was Mojive. Um, yeah, so I I started as a as an independent dancer, and I was um, yeah quite young at the time um but i really enjoyed it and um ended up going along every week uh to the ta center in southampton and um yeah ended up demoing after about a year um and did that for a, a considerable time uh and then i started going to to bournemouth and to barton hall yeah. um uh, and met loads of really good friends down there and um yeah ended up kind of going along and then when it changed over to Ciroc I started then going to the Ciroc events and 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 started going to like all the classes around and starting to kind of um expand my dancing uh area um but it wasn't until I moved up to Yorkshire that I really went like Ciroc uh weekenders and all that kind of stuff um I do remember my first ever weekender was at Bognor Regis right before before Ciroc okay. was doing um before yeah. Ciroc was doing uh, weekenders um and uh, that was my first weekender experience and uh yeah it was it was pretty amazing and then um obviously with the Ciroc ones getting involved with that and being able to dj and teach as well at the weekenders it's been amazing um teaching i've only been teaching for about 8 years i said only 8 years um in the like 
in the in the in my dancing life that's only like yeah. a third so um yeah teaching for eight years um i started off teaching for my own franchise uh up in yorkshire and um since then i've taught all over the country um uh, regularly teach around stafford area so um i've taught um around shrewsbury and uh i've also taught in birmingham uh wolverhampton um i've taught lincoln uh, is another one that i've, I've been to quite a few times uh, manchester i've taught a couple of times in derby um and then i've done a few i've done a weekender in scotland okay um and uh, so i've been all over teaching and how do you find teaching then i love teaching i really really enjoy teaching it's it's one of those things that I always, I always come away from teaching with a buzz. I always enjoy it. It's never, it's never boring. It's never kind of just, oh, I've got to teach. It's always, I'm really excited. I've got a lesson tonight, you know. Yeah. I think most teachers are a bit like that. It's, it's, it's a privilege to be a teacher. It's a, a privilege to be able to pass on that knowledge of, of your dancing to other people. Yeah, I mean, I always say it, going back to that, um, Bristol pantomime, Brian Connolly, who was on stage on that occasion, he said, it genuinely is a privilege um, for you guys to pay your money and watch us do our thing. Um, and I feel that every time I'm up on stage that people are on the floor yep. and they've chosen to come along. They don't have to be there. They've chosen to come along and hear my dulcet tones rabbit on for 45 minutes. <laughs> and uh, yeah. yeah, and hopefully teach them some dancing while we're there. But uh, yeah, it is a privileged position. Um, yes. Absolutely. So what's your most embarrassing moment whilst teaching then? Um, I've not really had any embarrassing moments whilst teaching. Um, right. I, I, I suppose my, I, there is one, one scenario or one situation that I found myself in and I was demoing rather than teaching. Okay. And, um, and that was, I, again, this is going back to Mojive days years and years ago. Um, so I was demoing on stage um, back then, 250 people at a class night was quite common. Mm -hmm. um, so full house, they weren't letting anyone else in because it was too busy. Um, there was about 250 people there. And I was on stage with the teacher and um, me being a uh, teenager, um, I my jeans halfway down my ass. Um, and I mean, that's quite common, some people will say. But even now, <laughs> but, I was going to say even now I've seen you with your jeans halfway down uh, your ass. Yeah, so. I know. Oh, I need to invest in a belt, but yeah, it's not mind. that hard. No, <laughs> well, uh, yeah, okay, yeah. Um, no, it's uh, so yeah, teenager jeans halfway down my ass, and um, she she said to me, right, John, I want you to turn around, and show these guys this move, and I was like, okay, I can do that. So I turned around, faced the the back of the stage, and she pulled trousers straight down and i was like oh and she was like that'll teach you for not wearing a belt and so yeah that was probably up there with the most embarrassing well the good thing it hasn't scarred you in any way shape or form <laughs> i think yeah i'm, it, no, I'm just trying, no. <laughs> no, I'm trying to yeah. imagine having one of my demos and you know wearing a skirt or whatever it would be and just pulling her skirt down it would, that would yeah that'd be yeah. I won't ask <laughs> who teacher was, just in case you sue them at some no, point. No, but, um... no, maybe not. But um, yeah, there's that. And then um, I, again, whilst I was demoing, I had a teacher um, 
someone played um, a Beach Boys song, Surfing in the USA, okay. as, a, as a demo track. And uh, this particular teacher who was, she was nutty, really crazy, but so much fun. And, um, and she, so she was like, John, lay on the stage. And I'm like, what? And she's like, lay on the stage. And I was like, okay, fine. So I laid down and she stood on my back and used me as a surfboard. Okay. Um, because of the music. So um, yeah, there's, there's been some really interesting times up on stage, um, dancing on the back of a lorry, uh, moving lorries that went through Bournemouth. Um, yeah, there's been some really, really crazy dance situations, but nothing, nothing in my teaching that embarrassing. I suppose I need to do more to embarrass my demos, but. Well, it's a yeah. fine line, isn't it? You know, I, yeah. I have a, a lovely relationship <laughs> with all the ladies that are up on stage with me. Um, and it's, it's a very fine line between being funny and then almost being a bit cringy and, the yeah. people in the class going oh has he really just done that <laughs> yeah and I'm, I'm sure i'm very close to going over the line on a number of occasions yeah i'm sure i can get close but <laughs> i don't think i've stepped over it yet now we are at possibly if my understanding is correct and i'm not 100 percent sure but i'll find out shortly at opposite ends of the spectrum and regarding the type of music that we like to dance to and like to <laughs> teach to so so i'm very much of the the slower end of things whether that's due to my age or just the style that i prefer to do but you're not are you You prefer the more upbeat stuff i love dancing to fast music yeah okay i um obviously being in the main room yeah having the energy going um it's just i for me dancing is is fast it's it's adrenaline it's it's all about the energy um and yeah, that comes across. Uh, I like to think that comes across in my sets at the weekenders, um, and in you know my the way I dance and you know doing tag as well with with Tony Epps, um, and we uh, yeah we, it's always fast paced. It's always high energy, and that's that's what I love about dancing. So you might need to explain tag for those that don't know what tag is. Uh, so so tag is. Um, one follow and two leads and those two leads jump in and swap over and uh, the follow generally has no idea what's going on. I so, have done it once as a follow. I've done it many yeah. times as a lead as well, but I've done it once as a follow um, <laughs> mm. with the lovely Mark West and Kevin Hyde. And yeah. uh, this was at Swindon and they were moving me around so quick. It was unreal. And there yeah. was one point where Kevin kind of led me to go backwards and then Mark just ripped his arms underneath my armpits mm -hmm. and led me down and did a little, yep. the old Lindy scissor kick one. And, yep. and, but yeah, at that point I still had no idea what was going on and it's really difficult because you're going from one lead to another and the yep. difference in the feeling of the lead is so different. You kind of have yes. to switch over so quickly as a follow. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, the concentration the follow has to have is, is unbelievable to be able to, to follow the switches and follow the different leads Guess it, it gets uh, a bit more interesting when you've got kind of like 10 people hmm. and then um, you, you kind of switch after every couple of moves. Yeah. And then so, you've got that lovely moment where, you know, you, as the lead and you're dancing with your per, with your follow, you can do whatever it is that may be there. But of course, there's always one person that is that spare part and you stand there going, <laughs> yeah. like this or how do you stand there and you know and that's when i've judged tag before at like the welsh champs um quite often you see the other person just stand there going don't mm. really know what to do and then other times yeah. people are looking quite cool so what do you do 
whilst you are the spare part? Um, so typically when we do tag, it's, um, if it's just me and Tony, it's so quick. Um, it's literally after every move. So there's no time to really think about how, what you're going to do. You know, you, you've got, you don't just stand there kind of waiting for an opportunity. You tend to just go for it. So if it's, um, and if it's uh, this like rapid tag where you're just continually swapping over, there's, there's just no chance. But then if it's like a bit more slower and a bit easier going and it's like, like half a track or whatever, then uh, I'll be talking to someone um, or when we do tag, we tend to get a lot of people going, oh, can, I, can you tag me next? And so I'm like, yeah, okay. And then they kind of stand next to you waiting. So then I end up talking to them or like I'll, I'll have a conversation with other people that we're tagging with. Um, so there's never really an awkward moment of like, there's, there's never that, there's never that. And it's, it's kind of, you just, you just end up keeping yourself busy. And then out the corner of your eye, you can see the, the, the dance that's going on. You think, right, I'm going to jump in now. And then yeah. you wait for your moment. You don't kind of just stand there staring and going, uh, now <laughs> it's, yeah. You're not quite just kind of putting your arm forwards going, I'll take the hand now. It's all. Yeah. <laughs> and that's yeah. when, we've, when we've judged tag before, it's been very much how slick are the changeovers. Yeah. Where are the key parts that you're looking for. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, I hope they bring tag back, actually, to, I know Welsh Champs isn't happening this year, but uh, hopefully next year it'll be, uh, it'll be great. I'd love to see you guys doing that. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Are you, maybe. Are you planning on competing again? Um, probably not, no. no? Um, I've done, I've, I've competed quite a lot. Uh, in the past um, with various different partners um, and I mean, I've, I've enjoyed it in the past um, but now I prefer to be part of the event organizing DJing and actually just relaxing and enjoying the event enjoying the atmosphere yeah. I find competing quite stressful um, and it's quite it's a good adrenaline rush but it is quite stressful so I, uh, I prefer to just take it a bit easier now yeah it's so, really I, stressful. I, I remember in my competing days many, many years ago, um, you end up just drinking a hell of a lot because you get really dehydrated. And then you end up just going to the toilet every yeah. 10 minutes, it seems. Because you just, you yeah. know, certainly at the Ciroc Champs, which is like an oven in that venue. Oh, it's so hot. Stay outside. So you know, hot. You're just drinking and then you have to go down the steps all the time and just end up peeing the entire time. Yeah. When, uh, when you said about drinking, um, my mind went elsewhere other than okay. water um i remember i was competing i competed for quite some time with um jamie stormer oh yeah and um we competed in the open uh and obviously having two guys competing together in the open was was quite unusual yeah. um and well so doing that by the way though yeah thank you it was it was interesting and you know we we never went into it wanting to win we never went into it expecting anything more than last place because we knew that you know when we didn't want to take it too seriously we didn't want to take it to the point of like we have to win this we have to win this yeah. it was more of a let's just have a bit of fun let's just mess about and enjoy what we're doing yeah. and um yeah so when we first did it i started the day off with a double vodka all right and um and I think by midday, we're doing really well. And what a couple of the judges were saying, you know, you're doing amazing. You're like up there with the top. And then by the end of it, I, yeah, I was, 
a bit, yeah, had a bit too many, one too many. And uh, they're like, well, what happened? I was like, well, the bar and uh, the heat. And, the <laughs> and so, yeah, it all went downhill towards the end of the day. But um, but I really enjoyed it and I had fun. So did Jamie. And yeah, we never took it too seriously. And I think that's the thing with competing is you've just got to enjoy it and have fun. You do. And you know, I think it's a brilliant thing that you had two, two chaps that were doing the lead and follow pass. I know much more these days we are going into lead and follow rather than man and lady and i'm trying mm. to get my head around it you know having taught for 20 plus years yeah. you know and said men and ladies the entire time um we did a workshop yesterday and for throughout the entire time one couple you know swapped it over so he was mm. always doing the follow and she was always doing the lead so you know it was it didn't make sense to say men and ladies because you had one couple that were completely mm. opposite um yeah. and there's you know there's also the stigma isn't there of uh, of men dancing with men even now yes. You know, you yeah. quite often yeah. ladies dance with ladies and that's the most normal thing in the world. But for men to dance with men, it's still quite a lot of stigma attached to it, which I don't think it should be. No, I, I agree with you. I'm completely with that. Um, and I, I think that, you know, men dance with men is quite normal. I mean, I've competed. I dance with guys all the time. Um, I think the the issue with that and, and the the stigma comes from the 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 dancers that we get in particular i noticed this in yorkshire and that was when i um first started teaching uh and um i was teaching in leeds and a customer came up to me a guy came up to me and he said to me do you know what i didn't want to do this i didn't want to like dancing i didn't want to enjoy it but i came in and i saw you up on the stage with you had um, I was wearing boots and just baggy t-shirt, really relaxed, really laid back. And he was like, you just, you look like a man. You look like a guy. You don't look like one of these airy fairy, I think he said. And, and he was, it was very like, you made it manly. And that's why I stayed. Now, if, if, if he'd walked in the room and, um, and he'd seen two guys dancing together, straight away he probably would have walked straight out mm. and there is an awful lot of people that think that in that way um and it's it's really really interesting to to see people's perceptions of dancing when they first join because at the end of the day Ciroc is it, it's about people discovering dance it's about people that have never danced before having that whole new social whole new group of friends that they can go to and learn a new skill but at the same time have a lot of fun and it's not serious it's not about creating amazing dancers it's, it's just about giving people the best night you possibly can um, through something that's uh, fitness keeping fit keeping healthy socializing all that so yeah there is literally nothing better for me than Ciroc um, in regards there's, there's no downside to it um, no. I get to socialise with people. I get to, um, yeah, as you say, keep fit, have fun, um, yeah. exercise. You know, exercising whilst you're having fun is almost like the, you know, the forbidden palace. It's like the best thing you yeah. can possibly do. Um, yeah. I know f over the, uh, I call it the break, by the way, that we've had. I try not to use the C word anymore. Um, the break? Yeah. So rather than saying COVID, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be saying, oh, you know, whilst okay, we've had break. a break. 
Yes. Um, it's a uh, you know, Rachel and Ross moment. We've been yeah. on a break. We've been um, on a break. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, I've been, um, so yeah, it's just an amazing thing. And I, I know that for a lot of people, whilst they've not been dancing, you know, let's just say that the good old phrase of lockdown pounds has come in for a lot of people. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't think there's, there's very few people I've seen that haven't been affected by that. Certainly that are dancers mm -hmm. because that is their social life, but also their fitness side as yeah. well. Um, yeah. I was dancing um, four, five nights a week. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, I've put on weight. I've not put on a lot of weight, but um mainly my, my illness keeps my weight kind of up and down. So yeah. um, one week I can look like I weigh 20 stone, the next week I can look like I weigh 10. So um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's one of those things where, you know, I've not put on a huge amount of weight over lockdown because I keep dropping, but I have noticed it. And, and in terms of not just my weight, but my fitness stamina, um, when, when we had the uh, a Zoom, um, weekender last i i was dancing with with imogen and i really struggled after one song i was out of breath i was like oh my god how am i going to get back to this again you know whereas before i could dance all night long and not have any problems so yeah it's 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 a bit it's a bit uh, like for me it's a bit anxiety inducing to kind of go straight back into dancing you know because we're on the brink of everything starting back up again everyone's getting excited for freestyles and there's me going, I don't know if I want, I don't know how to handle it. I, I'm going to be exhausted after one track. And I don't want people to, to look at me and think, oh God, he's, he's put on a few pounds or like he's out, he's unfit. And, and it's this whole kind of what, what you do it, it is, it's, there's a lot of anxiety for me around getting back to dancing. And I know that's the same for a lot of people in terms of, of getting back to where we were. It really is. I've, um, you know, I've been running workshops and I've got my studio here, so I've been doing a lot of private lessons. And so I'm, I'm kind of to a large degree back up to speed, but not quite back up to speed in a four hour freestyle. Yeah. Um, that is, is going to be challenging. In fact, we've just done loads of crew Zoom meetings and I've said to all of them on the first couple of nights, don't be surprised if it empties out early because yeah. A, people are going to be exhausted, but also most people by nine o'clock these days have turn the telly on or gone to bed um yeah you know, we've brought the nights earlier from half seven to half ten they were eight till eleven before but even half past ten for a lot of people is way past their their normal bedtime now so yeah. it's going to be a change for everybody but yeah yes. again i think a lot of people will be very anxious about their fitness side of it um i had yeah. a dance with zoe at the end of the workshop yesterday and she was saying after one dance she was exhausted um yeah. and as a follow it's much more tiring th than it is as a lead um, yeah, that's for sure. But yeah, she was she was shattered after one dance. I mean, it yes. was it was a dance with me, and I pushed her and did loads <laughs> of stuff. Of course, but yes, of course. You know, <laughs> I, I put her through her paces, not quite. Um, <laughs> but uh, it was a lovely dance. Um, but uh, yeah, she was quite tired after that. You know, and she's been dancing quite a lot with me. Um, yeah. So it's going to be difficult for everybody getting getting back to it. Um, yes. Even yeah. as teachers, and, and I was speaking to Lindsay Bennett the other day. Um, she's been back teaching workshops, and her words after she did her first one was, I forgot how tiring this was. Yeah. Um, not yeah. just dancing, but teaching as well, the mental yeah. side of teaching. It's, yeah. Uh, it is exhausting. It is exhausting. So DJing-wise then, yes. okay, obviously you do, you probably do as much DJing as you do teaching these days, don't you? Uh, yeah. Well, um, they're both non-existent at the moment. Well, but yes. <laughs> 
<laughs> before As you get the, back. Yeah, before the break. Um, Nicely we, done. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, I, I was. Yeah, I was DJing a lot. Um, it was pretty much a freestyle every weekend, um, and that was uh, all over. Um, again, I'd um, DJing for my own freestyles in Yorkshire. Um, and then I was DJing in Manchester, Nantwich. I was did um, every now and again. I did one in Shifnal. Um, and then the class nights I was teaching again all over the country, up and down. So it was. I was doing a bit of bit of everything. You know, I don't think I was. Well, if you count the, the DJing in the class because I do my own music, mm-hmm. then yeah. I mean, I would say I DJ probably more than I teach. But, you know, it's, it's one of those things they go together so well. And if, if I was doing a freestyle, I'd generally teach a workshop before it as well. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's one of those things. I think I'm not sure which I enjoy most, though. There is a great feeling when you put on a track and, and it flows from the previous yep. track and you just know that you've nailed it. I often say for DJing, and people have questioned this, but obviously as an experienced DJ yourself, you may be able to... Um, go along with it as well is that I think getting a a set of DJing right is as difficult as building a car engine for instance it's or an operation you know to actually get it absolutely spot on um, for those hundred let's say hundred people in a room to make those hundred people happy music wise over a period is an incredible challenge it really is there there is a scientific formula that makes it a lot easier you're, you're I'm not, not. You're not telling us. No, I'm not. No, oh. no. <laughs> I've been DJing for 33 years. I've never had a scientific formula. There is a formula. Is there, there is. There is a. There is a way to do it. Okay. And um, yeah, it's it's. I got taught this when I first started DJing. Right. Um, and I got taught this by Chris Baker, okay. who I obviously took over the franchise from and started doing the weekenders from um and he when i first started he said you can play whatever you want but you'll never be a good dj there is a formula and this is it and he, so he told me told me how to dj hmm. and since then i have stuck to that that way that that formula that that the way to put everything together yeah and and it has worked and it's worked because you know djing the main rooms DJing big events, yep. you know, if I played what I wanted to play, there's no way I'd be doing what I'm doing. So that's always the yeah. thing, isn't it? A lot of DJs, you know, and, and I have a no- number of DJs that work for me and I've DJed myself for a long time. Yeah. You know, I always say to them, it is irrelevant what you like. Yeah. Completely definitely. and utterly. It's all about what do the people that are on the dance floor at that point, what do they want to dance to? Yes. That is the key point. Yeah, definitely. I, I completely agree. Yeah. And um, it's yeah, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, you you can you you can love or hate songs, but there's always you, you have songs which you really, really, really dislike. Yeah. Um, for me, there's there's two that I hate. OK. Um, two Go songs. On, I really, <laughs> um, so the first one is um, Tina Arena. Now I can dance. Yeah. Awful song. Do you know there's really two creepy. versions of it as well? Oh, don't. So the two versions, really? there's the single version, and then there's the 
original version. Oh yeah, the original is like five minutes long, isn't it? That's yeah. It. And yeah. I've had before when it's come on, and it was actually down in Bournemouth. I used to listen to it quite a lot. And, yeah. uh, and they'd play it, and I'd be like, oh, three and a half minutes. It's just about to fade out. And then it <laughs> yeah. just carries on, effectively <laughs> repeating the chorus yeah. for another minute and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so a... Tina Arena, now I can dance. That's not one of your songs, is it? So No, um, no, no. It's no. not. No. And the, the other dislike is um, the, uh, Alex Fox. Guitars on fire, um, and it's it's one of those things where every time you play it, you're guaranteed a full floor. Yeah, guaranteed. You're guaranteed people are gonna like stamp their feet and and really get into the music. But I I just hate it. I really have a strong disliking for it. You're gonna play it now, aren't you? I'm gonna try and see if I had it actually. Um, I don't think it's on my system. I think I got rid of it. <laughs> you deleted it because it's that bad. <laughs> Sad, sadly, it's gone. What a shame that is. But, oh, um, no. but yeah, for those that don't know it, it's, a, uh, it's like a Latin instrumental and it has a pause every so often. And then the dancers would stamp on the floor and they go like that. And they'd all do it together. And, uh, and yeah, again, it was something that Mojive used to have. It used to be a regular play and Mojive. Yep. And yep. unfortunately, it's been phased out for uh, for modern day dancers. <laughs> the um, sanity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I have one myself. So I, I would always swear. And again, this probably from the uh, era that I grew up in. Um, so I always swore as a DJ that I would never play Oops Upside Your Head and get oh. the floor sat down doing all of this sort of stuff. <sighs> And You've obviously I, never been to one of my end of the weekend of sets then. I haven't. No, I'd never make it past two o'clock. I'm old. <laughs> so, so no, I appreciate it can be a fun track. But for me, yeah. I think it's how I grew up in that I, I had a lot of people and it was like every single party yeah. I went to, I'd look around and I'd see my whole family just sat on the floor. And I was thinking, is that the extent of dancing you can do? <laughs> you just sat yeah. on the floor tapping. And also yeah. a lot of the places that I went to as a, as a teenager as such, the last place you'd ever want to do is sit on the it's floor. Sit on the floor. Filthy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then tap your hand on it and then eat. <laughs> yeah, Honestly. I get that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. To be fair, I've, I've only played that um, either at a wedding or um, at the end of, I think I played it a couple of times, the end of, of the weekend of sets where you're just so tired, you want to sit down. So. You know what? And that is a really good place to play it. Yeah, I, I get that. That has a purpose, but uh, but yeah, yeah, my normal wedding party sort of thing. <laughs> um, yeah, I always swore. I did play it once because a uh, a couple at their wedding um, insisted that it was played. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I did. I did force myself to play it once, but uh, but yeah, unless I have to, um, <laughs> never again, yeah. never again. Yeah. So while we're on to music, then I ask all my guests the same three questions about their favourite song to dance to, to listen to, and the most important track. And why? So, what is your favourite track to dance to, then, Mr. Gammon? My favourite song to dance to, um, it's "Sandstorm." Okay. By Darude. It's it's a song for me which um, is just such high energy, and it's it's fast, it's loud, it's bassy, it's got everything that that you need for a high energy fast paced track and i think i play it a lot of weekenders because 
when you start dancing to it, you have to go for it. And it, it's like this, we are talking earlier about the adrenaline. You get that adrenaline for the next 20 minutes. So yeah. what I find is, although it's fast paced, although it's high energy, people from that point are more like, yeah, let's go for it, let's party. Whereas if you play something a bit more chilled out, they they don't they're just kind of like oh yeah we'll dance we'll chat so it really gets the room going it gets everyone on the floor every time it's a it's yeah it's a great track let's have a little listen to it That's the rude and sandstorm, and that is yeah. definitely high energy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's 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 what I I, I love to dance to the high energy stuff, and that's just the standout track for me. It is absolutely a uh, a track, and and yeah, you're right. I mean, we've discussed earlier that I I probably do prefer the slightly slower end of things. Um, yeah, you know, I'm much more of a lyrical dancer. But yeah, I mean, getting that feeling going of going, woohoo, everything's off and running, you get from that track. So I fully get why you would play it. So what's your favorite track to listen to then? So this this is such a hard question. I, and know, it, I only gave you a choice of one. I know. And and I was we were talking about this earlier, me and Imogen, saying if we were given one track, if we could only listen to one track for the rest of our lives. I think I would prefer to not have a track okay, because that one track would then become annoying. <laughs> so yeah. I'd rather just not listen to it and just have that in my head. Um, so I've tried to go for something that I, I really enjoy. I love this style of music, but it has something of everything in it. It has the lyrical, it has the, the fast, it has the slow. It's got a bit of everything. And it very much depends what mood I'm in. To, to what I want to listen to at the time and what my favourite song at the time is. Um, at, at the moment, I'm I'm quite favouring like a slow paced rock, okay. and um, so I'm just putting that on the on the radio at work rather than rather than your dancey stuff. I'm listening to a lot lot more rocky stuff at the moment, so that's why I've gone for for this track. So you may have noticed that Jonathan now looks slightly different. It's quite religious, if I'm honest with you. It's a little yeah. bit of a look but it's so we can do bohemian rhapsody <laughs> by queen with the head shaking okay so here we go <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. now i have to say that yours looked a lot better than mine did <laughs> As, uh... this is it. that's the only reason they grew long hair is it? Just so you could do that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very good indeed. Yeah, I just look like I was... Yeah. I look like the nodding dog in the, in the church advert, <laughs> if I'm honest with you. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, my hair's slightly shorter these days. But, uh, <laughs> I used to have long hair many moons ago. Did you? Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, before I joined the RAF, I had curtains down to about here. The full-on center oh, parting, well. grade one up the sides. It was the saddest haircut wow. ever. It really was. <laughs> And then I had it all shaped up. Oh, no. <laughs> right, we're well, on to your last track then. So this is the track that's had the most impact or strongest memories or most important for you. Slightly different. Yeah. Then. Yeah. Um, this is the biggest impact on my life. Um, oh, biggest impact. Um, so 
the reason I've chosen this song is um, another thing that people don't really know about me is um, I, I studied music at, at, at school and college, um, but I also uh, am grade eight on the piano. Okay. Um, so I was always playing music and, and playing the piano, practicing hours after school. And um, there was a point in my life where I really didn't enjoy it. Um, I wasn't, I didn't like the music I was playing because it was all graded, all classical scales and all that kind of stuff. So I, I didn't enjoy it. And so I wanted something new. I wanted something modern that wasn't just a backing track. Yep. And so I discovered this artist, this this composer. Okay. Um, and still alive today, still composing music, and it is still fantastic as ever. But this is one of the songs which takes me back to that time when I was like considering giving up playing the piano, giving up music, and it kept me going. It kept me wanting to play. So what's the name of this track then? Leon Day. It's, as well. It is, yes. It's very lyrical. It's not lyrical, but it's it's in that kind of, um, yeah, that, that kind of style and, and feel for for dancing. But it's yeah, it's it's fantastic, and I love. So I love about that is it's it's still considered as classical music, yeah, in that genre, but it's more modern, contemporary, and it just it it brings a younger generation to that style of music. Um, I, I think it's an amazing track and uh, yeah. I will try and dance to it. I'm just desperately trying to find another track that I do actually dance to. Um, that is, is a piano track as well. Um, but I can't remember the name of it, if I'm honest. It's one of those moments which uh, isn't going to be helpful at all. Um, I had a moment in the, uh, in the interview with Simon actually where I said, and the track is going to be this and I left a purposeful pause and then in the edit, I forgot to put the track in. But I'm going to try and remember on this occasion. <laughs> okay, so the track okay. that I'm trying to think of is this one. And then we'll hold it there. And I'll hopefully remember to put it in there this time. So uh, <laughs> that is always the plan. But yeah, it's a, it's a really tricky track to dance to. But that, I reckon, you know, it's 114 beats per minute. And uh, yeah, you could dance. Mm. I'd love to dance lyrically to that. I will try it later. So yes, yeah. Yeah, let me know. That's um, yeah. It's yeah. It's just such a wonderful track for me. Yeah. Have you ever considered trying to play piano live at a dance weekend or anything like that for people to dance to? <laughs> no, no, not really. Um, I used to play in a lot of bands at college, um, but I was always the the backing for a singer. I yeah. was always whenever whenever it was like a, a gig or whatever. It was always oh, this is who at so-and-so was singing songs and then I was always playing the piano in the background and so throughout my whole music playing gigs and playing piano it's always been for someone else um so yeah for me the 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 stuff that um I now the puts together really makes me feel like I can play the piano not just be a backing yeah so you write stuff yourself as well do you 
I have done in the past. Yeah, it, it's been a while since I've played the piano because I, we don't have one at home. The house isn't big enough. Um, but uh, my both my parents have got pianos at their houses, and um, growing up, we used to have a, a baby grand piano in wow. the in the window of the house, and so music has always been a big part of of my life. So. Um, yeah, it's, I always, if I go home, I'm always like, I really want to play the piano. Um, uh, Imogen can play the piano as well. Um, oh. so it's, yeah, it's, it's fantastic. So Do either of you sing as well or? <laughs> Badly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I can sing, but I have to put a lot of effort into it. Yeah. And, um, even then it's not great. So yeah, I wouldn't oh. subject people to that torture. No, do you know, I, I play the guitar and, and I, I sing myself a little bit. Um, and people always say to me, why didn't you go further with that type of stuff? And, and it's very simply that I wasn't good enough, um, you know, at, at either discipline. I can do both of them reasonably well. But if I'm going to get a guitarist in, there's people, billions of people that can play it a lot better than I can, likewise with singing. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd rather somebody that could do it properly did it rather mm. than uh, I'd be a great yeah. one in piano. So you might as, well, might as well get you in to do it properly. But, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So little question then. So just music and dancing together. If you had the choice, and I think I know the answer, of dancing to 100, 120, or 140 or faster, what would be your choice? 140. Yeah. Definitely 140. So again, this goes back to like your song choice i really enjoy dancing to lyrical stuff and slower stuff i love it but there's you can't beat a good adrenaline rush hmm. you can't beat that that energy that kind of feeling of of just going for it and just letting loose not giving a, a damn about what everyone else around you thinks and and also the dancing for me you don't have to think about it when it's that fast okay it just comes out it's like um it's, it's just the the moves just just keep going you can't you can't have time to think so it almost becomes what you instinctively want to do you want how you want to dance and so uh, that's why i enjoy it it's just natural it's it's the it's the moves that come out of my head without me thinking about it too much i find that when i'm dancing slower I have to think about the moves and then if I do if I repeat a move then I'm thinking oh my partner thinks I'm doing the same moves because I've had that in the past where someone said to me oh you're gonna try a different move and and it's like all oh, right okay um it's because I'm starting that isn't it if somebody it's makes awful. a comment like that awful so yeah um and it's yeah and and so for me the slower stuff I really have to concentrate and think about so um I I enjoy the fast stuff yeah, I mean, I just going back to the comments, I remember a, uh, a teacher, it wasn't a Ciroc teacher, um, I danced with her, and I'd, I think I'd been dancing like two or three months. Um, so I was a real baby in regarding dancing. And she turned around and said, are you going to let go of one of my hands at any point? Now, now, this is 25 years ago, and I'm still remembering it now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And at that point, I'm not even sure that I knew any single-handed moves. And if I did, it might be one or two of them. And it certainly wasn't anything I was thinking about. I wasn't mm. thinking about how good a time my follower's having. I'm thinking, what the bloody hell am I going to do next? Let alone yeah. whether it's got one or two hands. <laughs> yeah. yeah, people making comments. Certainly if they're yeah. in a, um, 
in a powerful position as such or an influential position like being a teacher or a demo or a taxi. They're yeah. really, really influential yeah. on people. Um, mm. It's quite scary yeah. sometimes the impact we can have on people's lives. Yes, definitely. But, uh, definitely. but yeah, no, I'm definitely the slower end. So <laughs> I always say, you know, when I do like musicality classes, if I'm, if I'm dancing to a fast piece of music, I actually dance slower. If I'm dancing to a slow piece of music, I actually dance quicker in regards to um, like the lady would do a double spin or a double turn or I'd move her in a really quick way in a slow track to go across the beats. If I'm dancing mm. quickly, then then, yeah, I'm actually doing simpler things. You keep it simple, stupid and all of those analogies because yeah. the music yeah. is so quick. You just have to bang out the moves, but they both have their place. I need to get back into dancing faster again. Just yeah. I'm, I'm, I've got lazy in my old age and everything I dance to now is quite slow. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, which, yeah, in some ways is easier, but some ways is harder. So yeah. there we go. <laughs> right, we're on to our quick fire round then. Okay, so okay. these are the same questions. I might change them in time. It's still not that time. Okay, so there are about eight questions here. Just quick answers. So favorite ice cream? Uh, raspberry Ripple. Ra Everyone's had a different answer so far. Raspberry Ripple. Raspberry Ripple. Okay. Can't beat it. Are you clean or messy? <laughs> messy. <laughs> Would Imogen just joke, laugh at the fact that if I suggested you were clean in any way, shape or form? Probably. She's as bad as I am, though, so it's oh, okay. fine. <laughs> Fair enough. Love or hate roller coasters? Love. Love? What's your favourite ride? Um, I quite like uh, Oblivion, Rita, because it's fast. Yeah. Um, yeah, just I love it. Anything that goes from 0 to 60 in under a second is great. Yeah, these are Alton Tower rides for those that aren't aware. Yes. Uh, they're very, very good. Yeah, we're quite close to Alton Towers here, so. Yeah. Well, I went to Thorpe Park with my big kids recently, and... Uh, you still kind of, I wasn't quite ready for the uh, the first ride. It was with all the COVID restrictions. Um, yeah. Everybody's spaced out and all of that. And you have to wear your mask on there. And and uh, there was almost no queue because we first got on there. And it was just like, it was the same ride as Rita, but it goes up and over. It's, I can't think what it's called. Now. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I know the one, Stealth, something Stealth, like that. That's the one, exactly that. Yeah. And uh, and all of a sudden I was sat there and they were like, right, we're off. And I was like, we're off. And then all of a sudden you just go. And just gone. Mentally, I wasn't yeah. right for it. Yeah. Um, yeah. There I, was. I, screamed yeah there was one we went to alton towers recently um with a couple of friends and um we went on a ride called the smiler mm -hmm. in in there and for some reason and i wasn't alone in this um uh, the the guy that i was with on the ride he he was the same uncontrollable laughter okay throughout the whole thing i couldn't stop laughing it was surreal i i'm not i'm not a a person that laughs a lot okay. uh, you know i'm quite quite relaxed quite composed but honestly from the moment it set off to the end and getting off laughing the whole way through i don't know why laughing is really good for you um, it, I, know, I know i know yeah i had a conversation with zoe recently it was about recently it's about two years ago um and we were talking about the fact that when was the last time you had that proper belly gut laugh you know, and that real feeling of doing it, because quite mm. often you can go through life and like you're saying earlier, working a lot from nine until 11 at night. And, mm. and then yeah. you're doing Ciroc and you're just working, working, working. And then sometimes you've got to sit there and go, right, when was the last time we properly had that moment where you can't control your laughter? Yeah. A lot of people, they look back and go, it's been quite a while. Um, yeah. I try and do it on a you know daily basis if I can, but at least a weekly basis where you're properly chuckling away. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
definitely really yeah. for health it really is definitely um so excluding social media what's the phone app that you use <laughs> excluding that? social media excluding phone social, app. i don't want to know about facebook or twitter or anything like that or instagram <laughs> Snapchat or or even Microsoft messaging or whatever it would be. Um, so yeah. yeah, what's the phone app you use the most? Um, I'm a sucker for a game, a game yeah. app. Um, so yeah, which just, one? Um, the the <laughs> this is really sad. It's a a block one where you make like Tetris, but right. you make lines and delete lines. Yeah, just it's something to switch my mind off. Um, it's probably that. Yeah, or or it's the, the CCTV app that that gets used most for our for our workshops because <laughs> it triggers a lot. Okay. Yeah, it's got a prompt. So if someone comes near the building, it sends an alarm to my phone. And I've heard uh, a lot of people get quite addicted to those. Yeah, yeah. There like, was a friend of mine that had um, the the doorbell one. So anytime anybody mm, walked past the front of her house, yeah. it set off an alarm. So I was chatting to her and like within the space of two minutes she's just looking at her phone constantly yeah yep. who's walking past her house she lives on a street <laughs> i know it's I really walk past it's super addictive and um there's a there's a it's on-site security uh, on the industrial estate we work on and um the security guard at about eight o'clock does rounds of walking around all the buildings and he always sets off he walks right next to all the buildings he always sets off the sensors on the cctv so at eight o'clock it goes off and i know it's him i know it's the, the security guard but i've just got to have a look and see but yeah. so coffee or tea tea every time not a coffee drinker at all um i i've i've have so i started venturing into coffee okay started a little while ago um thanks to lucky skillen he got me drinking starbucks um obviously american got to drink starbucks um but yeah, tea most of the time. Lucky Skillen is an American teacher, isn't he? So just for those that don't know. Yeah, American blues teacher. Yeah. yeah. He's a very good teacher. Um, favorite TV program? Uh, mm. So I I don't have a TV. Okay. Um, we we don't watch TV. Uh we watch film, we've got a projector, we watch films. Yeah. Um, but I yeah i don't watch tv <laughs> it's don't, don't have time no do you know a lot of but, um, like my children they they have never sat down that i can remember to a live tv program in front mm. of the tv you know it's always on on youtube or whatever it may be that they're watching netflix yeah. amazon prime all of that it's just constantly tv on demand they can't yeah. understand the principle of strictly is on at half past six on a saturday night sitting down in front of the tv and watching it just yeah. part of their makeup. No, I, I can't remember the last time I sat down at a specific time to watch um to watch TV. It it doesn't it doesn't happen, you know. It's we haven't had a TV for three years now. Right. Um obviously we've got a projector, but that um is just for films. Yeah. And um yeah, it's I think the only time I really do is for sporting things. So yeah, when you're playing or cricket or whatever it may be, um, yeah. I might sit there and watch, watch that. But uh, but yeah, generally it's no, everything's on everything's on catch up, isn't it? Or just yeah, watching normal now as we know it. Um, yeah, just set yeah. the call buttons, don't you? And last exactly. question then. So if you came back in your next life as an animal, which one would you be and why? 
as an animal. Okay. Animal. Or, or any any other object. If you want to make it any other object. <laughs> as an animal. Uh, let's stick to animals. Um, I think I'd be a dog. Okay. Why is that? Because they're happy all the time. They're always pleased to see you. And, you know, there's nothing matters other than food, water and toys. So yeah. <laughs> like, it's simple. They have to worry about anything. And uh, and somebody asked yeah. me, and I, I would come back as a dog as well. And I also said, because people will clear up your mess as well. <laughs> oh, that too, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't even have to worry about that. Just whatever you, wherever exactly. you go. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. So, yeah, we are alike in that regard. Yes. Although I don't think I could quite carry off a hoodie quite as well as you do. Oh, well, it's comfy. So. <laughs> no, it does look very comfortable. It looks fleece lined and. Yeah, yeah. I got this from St. Ives when we were down there the other week. So, yeah. No, it looks lovely. Well, it generally has been a pleasure. I've learned so much about you. I hope people have uh, have enjoyed our chat. Um, yes, it's good. been brilliant, and uh, thank you for sharing so much that you have done. Um, so fine. yeah, Jonathan Gowan, this has been you, Life Off the Stage. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thanks. <laughs>